0: It is the Saturday Coffee Clutch with Heather Lofthouse and yours truly. And, but uh, we're, Heather, we're doing this uh, audio wise, right?
1: We are. So, hello, everybody. Some people have said we prefer audio only to video. And I think that's because they, you all like it as a podcast. So, we are going to try, and we're trying different combinations to see what people like. So, yeah,
0: well, we'll try. We're using the holiday to experiment, continue yes. our continuous experimentation.
1: So let us know in the comments if you prefer a video or an audio. Okay, Okay. let's get to uh, it.
0: Heather, this week, uh, I I think the big news is the Colorado Colorado Supreme Court.
1: uh, I was going to sum it up in two numbers.
0: Okay. (laughs) 14-3. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Well, now wait a minute. The Colorado Supreme Court was a 4-3 vote. But 14-3 and refers to...
1: You know... The Constitution.
0: Oh. the Constitution. Article
1: 14, Section oh, 3. Say,
0: oh, Article 14, <laughs> Section 3. I thought you were giving me sort of a, you know, a complicated uh, test. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Is it division or is it math? Anyway, take it, uh, it away.
0: Article 14, Section 3 uh, basically says that if you are, if you have been found to be, or if you are a an insurgent, uh, then you cannot run for office. Uh, but here's the thing, that this, uh, f- by four to three vote, the Colorado Supreme Court said, even when the siege on the Capitol was fully underway, Trump continued to support it by repeatedly demanding that Vice President Pence refuse to perform his constitutional duty and by calling senators to persuade them to stop the counting of electoral votes. These actions constituted overt, voluntary, and direct participation in the insurrection. Well, that's a, that's a pretty clear statement.
1: It's a very clear statement, and it differs from the previous um, decision, right?
0: Yeah, well, it, it, what's interesting to me is that this is all going to the Supreme Court right now, and the Supreme Court is, whether it wants to or not, it's going to be in the position of having to deal with a conflict between different states between different courts on this question of Article uh, Article Three, uh, the Fourteenth Amendment, and uh, I would be I would be amazed. I mean, Heather, you could knock me over with a feather if this Supreme Court, uh, majority of conservatives, three of them appointed by, uh, by uh, nominated by Trump, uh, would would affirm uh, what the Colorado Supreme Court said.
1: I know. I think, I mean, you know more than I do, but I would agree with that. Now, but is it still, it's still a good thing that there's accountability happening, right? So even if, of, I, right. I, that's,
0: even if the Supreme Court doesn't affirm, uh, there is uh, a story out there, and there are going to be some people leaning toward Trump in terms of who were leaning toward Trump in terms of voting who will say, Wait a minute. I mean, this guy is an insurrectionist, and he was found, at least in one state, uh, to be ineligible to be on the ballot. And and so that's, I think that's helpful. Uh, and it's also, uh, well, it, it it's sort of another marker along the way, yet another marker. Yet another marker. More markers.
1: But so my question is obviously he is a marketing triumph in which we hate, but he will use this to galvanize his supporters, right? Yes, so he will use yeah, it to fundraise. Absolutely. So there are some negatives. I mean, always, well,
0: but he, a, the more the courts and the justice department and Jack Smith, I mean, the more people uh, out there who could be styled by Trump as the establishment, the more they, uh they, 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 they find him guilty or potentially guilty, the more they, uh, in his words, gang up on him, uh, the more he can say that he's being persecuted, not just prosecuted, he's being persecuted. He has a persecution complex, uh, yeah. but that, they pay, it, it fits into his entire campaign strategy, of course.
1: Right. Now, some other interesting uh, data and news that came out this week. uh, Would you talk about what happened in terms of Trump trying to convince two Republicans out of Wayne County?
0: Oh, yes. This is actually uh, kind of interesting because um, it just just came out and it's kind of a blockbuster uh, reporting. Uh, Trump tried to convince two Republicans on the Wayne County, Michigan Board of Canvassers, not to add their signatures to the certification of the heavily Democratic counties' 2020 election. Um, and uh, it, there is an audio, another audio. This is amazing to me. This is with Trump's voice from a November 17th, 2020 phone call. It uh, took place within 30 minutes of uh, the meeting of the Wayne County Board of Canvassers. And on the call, Trump insists to two officials that it would look terrible if they signed. Uh, and, uh, you know, he says, uh, quote, and this is, again, this is on this is on the record, and right. it's also on audio, we've got to fight for our country. We can't let these people take our country away from us. Everybody knows Detroit is crooked as hell. Uh, and also on the call was the RNC chair and fellow Michigander, herself, Rona McDaniel, a, a Wayne County resident, uh, who reported... She told the two officials, do not sign. Right. Do not sign. I mean, this is um, this is amazing. This is this is another smoking gun. As right. if we needed another smoking uh, that's
1: what gun. I, but that's my question, Bob. How many smoking guns? I mean, we have a, a giant artillery. I mean, we do how many smoking guns are needed? Yes, well, this is need, a smoking you gun.
0: A, you need a lot of smoking. But that, the more the merrier. Uh, now, is any smoking gun, what you're asking, is any smoking gun going to put him beyond bars? I don't know. Uh, that Georgia case where he's on record as asking for the number of votes needed to reverse Georgia, uh, asking the Secretary of State in Georgia, uh, well, uh, that's that's core to the trial in Georgia. Right. Now, that trial right. is not happening. You know, I mean, his technique is to delay everything until after the election. And hopefully he says to himself he wins the election and he gets rid of everything. But he can't get rid of the Georgia case. Nope. Can't. And if there's a Michigan case uh, that comes out of this new bombshell, if yeah. there's a Michigan case, he can't get rid of that. He, right. can't, he doesn't have control over what's happening in New York City. Um, so even as president, he cannot control all of these smoking guns.
1: Right. And the state, it's so interesting, and more will be revealed on this. But I mean, you saw Mark Meadows tried to get his Georgia case removed and moved up because he's a former federal employee. That was interesting, isn't happening. So the more these state cases are so critically important. Um, Okay, so I have another question for you.
0: Let me just make sure that everybody who's listening understands the Georgia state case has been delayed. Uh, right. Because the judge there, right. the Georgia judge, uh, doesn't want it in any way interfering with a federal case. I mean, right. uh, uh, this is where this is all of this ironically plays into Trump's hands because the more confusion, uh, the more fog uh, of, of cases, the better. And this is why, in a, in a sense, Trump has been pushing for the Biden impeachment because he can say, oh, you know, Biden is, is rotten and the Biden family is rotten. And so don't pay attention to these democratic, quote unquote, cases.
1: But these systems... These processes and these bodies weren't set up to be nimble and fast, and these are unprecedented cases, and there has to be a sequencing of events, so we can't get around it.
0: Yeah, there, well, there will be a sequencing, and I think, uh, I, I, who knows? I mean, no, but there's so many moving parts. I mean, there's right. so many wheels in motion. It's difficult to tell what is going to happen and when it's going to happen. Um, I mean, the Supreme Court now has pieces. Of this, I'm talking about the United States Supreme Court has pieces of a lot of this. Uh, if they uh, agree to hear the Colorado case, uh, I mean, that could delay things even more. The Colorado case has been delayed, by the way. The Colorado uh, Supreme Court said we're not going to do anything until, uh, presumably, until the uh, Colorado election.
1: Right, right. So in terms of, I'm going to change the topic, because I think we've all been tracking, obviously, all the goings-ons, goings-ons, goings-on, of wars, the gozy, the gozy-ons, of wars around the globe. Can we talk about Ukraine and what the White House has been talking about this week?
0: Well, here's another example of why you can't actually separate the upcoming election from anything else that's going on. Because, uh, uh, first of all, the White House... Uh, has been signaling support for seizing more than $300 billion in Russian central bank assets that are now stashed in Western nations. Uh, That's so much money. That's pretty (laughs) good. It's a lot of money. And that could help fund Ukraine's war effort. Uh, But the other thing that caught my eye was that House Speaker Mike Johnson, Republican House Speaker, Uh, he wrote, he just wrote a letter to President Biden asking him to make uh, changes in the border laws by executive order um, because Republicans apparently don't want their own names on any deal. Uh, You see, they're looking at the election coming up. They recognize that any deal would take away an issue that they hope to exploit in 2024. So they they want Biden to have an executive order that tightens border security and uh, basically allows Ukraine to have more money.
1: I love, I mean, I think this is why we all tune in, but to you and some of the, in your subsect, but this is so helpful. The reframe, I mean, it's so helpful because, of course, we were all, or some of us, were seeing this in the news, right? In Mike Johnson's letter. But the way you kind of reframe things, do you remember Aaron Brothers? That was a frame store. Yeah. You're like the Aaron Brothers for I'm the political frame. economy. Well, I'm I'm for the, well, I'm, 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 for the I'm political economy.
0: Trump. No, I don't want to frame Trump. Uh, but, no, but, but it's so, framing, yeah. But the framing. Of, of of these issues through the lens or through the frame of of the election is so important. It's so important yep. to understand what the Republicans are up to. Um, yep. and uh, I mean everybody is 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 doing this kind of reframing dance. Uh, even Rudy Giuliani. I mean he Oh
1: here we yes please talk about his week wasn't well was just- I mean
0: he, he was he, he had this hundred and forty eight million dollar judgment against him uh, two Georgia election workers. Uh,
1: and you know, they and, wanted him to give it ASAP. Couldn't take his sweet time.
0: That's right. And so he made a move. The day after the federal judge ordered him to pay $100. 100 Is everyone the sitting interest, down?
1: Is everyone sitting down? Shockingly, <laughs> it, he has applied was, for bankruptcy.
0: He for bankruptcy protection. Uh, I mean, uh, first of all, bankruptcy. You know, if you were a homeowner and you can't meet your your mortgage payment, or if you are a student debtor, if you have huge debts from your student loans, you can't use bankruptcy anymore. I, I mean, the banks have made it very clear right. that they're tightening eligibility for bankruptcy. This is what they, the laws that they got changed. Uh, but of course, Rudy Giuliani, or if you're Donald Trump, and you have a casino in New Jersey. Uh, oh, yes, you can use, you can use <laughs> bankruptcy laws. I mean, it's uh. extraordinary.
1: It's extraordinary and depressing. I mean, we laugh, but God, if we didn't laugh, I guess I don't know what the other solution would be. Okay, so one other thing that whenever I see these indices come out, I want to talk to you about them on the clutch and otherwise. So the personal consumption expenditures report, dun da what is it? what does it say? Frame
0: well, it for us. It's, it's interesting, Heather, because there are a lot of reports coming out of the government that indicate how much inflation there is. Uh, But the Fed has been paying most attention to this particular report. It's it's called the Personal Consumption Expenditures Report. Um, And uh, the Fed uh, likes this report because it includes everything. Uh, And it really does bear a striking resemblance to consumer confidence. Right. Um, And uh, what it showed yesterday uh, is that inflation continues to come down. Uh, It's lower than it was last year, lower than it was last month. Uh, In fact, it's way, way down from last year, but it's even down from last month. And the stock market is just going bananas because the Fed this week uh, right last week uh, said that it would actually uh, start reducing interest rates. Uh, that was Jerome Powell. Uh, start reducing interest rates this coming year. Well, of course, if interest rates are lowered, that means stocks are more valuable because right. people take their money out of bonds and they put them into stocks. Uh, and so uh, this could be a banner year. I mean, it's, it's already been a banner year for markets. Uh, I mean, investors essentially shrugged off high inflation, rising interest rates. The S&P 500 uh, was up more than 23% over the year as of yesterday's, as of Thursday's, yes, as of Friday's close.
1: I mean, first of all, this clutch is chock full of data and information. I'm like trying to take it all in. Um, This is, yeah, it's interesting. But then, and we've talked about this before, the average person, whatever that means, you know, in America these days does not see or pay maybe. So first of all, they might not pay attention to politics and or or true politics and hard numbers. Right. And the hard economic kind of data. But they're not feeling as good, good as the markets seem to be. But the stock market is not the economy, as you have exactly. said. And that's,
0: that's very. That's a very important reality to keep in mind. Uh, it, it's the richest 10% of Americans who own ni- almost 92% of all of the stock holdings of Americans. Uh, the richest 1%- Say that
1: again. Say that again. Okay. It's the so
0: important. 10% of Americans own over 92% of all the stock holdings of Americans. Um, and the richest 1% own over just over half of of all the stock holdings, So when the stock market goes up, it's not as if the ordinary average Joe is really getting anything out of it. Uh, In fact, what we've seen over the past, certainly over the past 20 years, increasingly, Heather, is that wages have been suppressed and much of corporate profits increasingly are going into the stock market through corporate buybacks. And Now, did
1: you, yeah which is, right, horrific, and we can talk about that, and we have a video on that. Um, So did you see this article in the New York Times in the real estate section that was talking about people who are rent burdened? Now, we know rent burden means over 30% of your income is spent on rent. That's a huge chunk, and then you have two-thirds left to do everything else. God forbid you want to, you know, build some wealth. I mean, you just got to pay for your gas and your food and your everything else and, you know, clothes for your kid. So but this is this was the title of the article. Single women are more rent burdened than single men. And the data were fascinating to me and depressing. Um, I'll give you a couple examples. So in New York, and I really want your sense on this, the share of male income spent on a median studio on Rent, median studio rent, which is around thirty-three hundred, don't get us started, is sixty-one percent. The share of female income spent on a stu- on studio rent, if they have a studio, seventy-nine percent of their income. Now that's seventy-nine
0: percent of their income. Now this is. Uh, extraordinary. I mean, it's extraordinary when you compare male sixty one percent of their income uh, spent in New York on just just renting, and seventy nine percent of of female income. But it, what's also amazing about both of these figures is when you consider the price of rent. I mean, of housing. I mean, what people right. are pouring their money into rents. Uh, And it's not quite as bad in other cities. It's probably as bad as in in San Francisco. Uh, But what this means and what I hear all over the country, Heather, is, uh, yes, the economy may be good. uh, Statistically, uh, inflation is going down. Bidenomics may be working. But I am paying through the nose for, for my house, for mortgages, for my rent. Uh, and if you are a worker, an average worker, you don't own your home; you're renting. If you're a if you're a kid, if you're a young person starting out on your career, you are renting. I mean, the rents are killing people. And but it's also this male versus female differential that you are pointing out is extraordinary. It needs more attention.
1: And we know that women earn less on the dollar than men. But this is can I read you a couple more examples? Because just in El Paso, Texas median studio rent 700 bucks 698 share of male income 18% share of female 35% wow. Bakersfield there's a 12% differential i mean it is significant and this is a problem and people are feeling it in their pocketbooks in their checkbooks let <sighs> me just
0: ask you a question heather because i i mean as you pointed out women are still not earning as much as men Um, for the same job, for the same work. Uh, But there is also a difference in the kind of work they do. That is, women tend to take jobs that are in the service sector, low-wage service jobs. So if you add those two together, that is that women are paying less than men for the same job and women are getting low-wage work to begin with, uh, then you you have a, a way of understanding that single women in our society are in financially much worse shape than single men.
1: I know it. And we, kind of, we knew it. I mean, I knew it. I think a lot of people know it. But when you see these the new ways of slicing it and seeing these stark numbers and seeing how much rent is, it brings it home in a different way.
0: Yeah, And I think it's, it's critically important for Democrats as well. I hate to bring this back to politics uh, because women overwhelmingly have been uh, voting for Democrats and for women in 2020 voted for Biden. Um, and I think the, the interesting question in my mind is mm-hmm. as women don't really uh, gain all the benefits of the economy coming back as it were, um, just like young people, are they going to stick with Biden and stick with Democrats? I hope so. I know. But I let's know. But let's, uh, let's at least put a, a marker on that.
1: Let's put a marker. Now we have 10 more months, 11 more months, 10 more months.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, we're, we're coming into the year the 2024 year. And most people have not focused on the election. There's been a lot of discussion, uh, you know, in in the kind of, uh, in, in the forums that you and I visit and participate in. Uh, but most Americans really are not yet uh, focused on the election. That, that doesn't happen for another six months or eight right. months.
1: And uh, one thing I want to put a pin in is, the influencer economy, right? Could this be the influencer election? People have used that term. But on the internet, we've talked about this, but people talk about economic realities versus economic vibes and what's kind of circulating online in terms of how people are feeling and what people are clicking on and sharing what videos they're sharing. There's this doom and gloom look at it all. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if that kind if shifts a little bit, if different um, influencers come out and talk differently about the economy if people, and we'll see this in polls, feel differently about it. So that's what okay, we'll talk about.
0: You, you are an influencer. You, you talk about no. the influencers as if they're out there someplace. You, you, Heather Loftus, influencer uh excellente. I mean, you are, you are- You're-
1: First of all, you're kind. I'm an emailer. I mean, that's. I don't have. I don't have. I'm an emailer. I mean, emailer. And, an e- and, e- and also, Spencer. inequality
0: media, inequality media, and inequality media, civic action are yeah. all over TikTok and all over. You know, I mean.
1: Yeah, it's true, but it's it's going to be interesting. Okay, so we should probably wrap up.
0: What are you going to do before we wrap up? What are you What yeah. are you going to do over the holidays with your family?
1: Oh, I don't know. Hopefully, very little. I don't know. We all seem kind of tired at the end of the year, and I know we're not the only ones, and we're privileged to be just fine, all considering. Um, so one thing I talked to my child about this morning, so I'm going to drag him to a cathedral to watch a choir, and he was like,
0: oh, "He's He's he's of the age where that is really from, from a teenage boy. He's almost a teenage boy, no, right? he's
1: No, is he a tween? He's only 11. He was 11. like, mom,
0: 11. mom, 11.
1: I don't want to go and see somebody lulla lying can you take dad instead of me? What is happening? And I said, "Okay, you are lucky to be able to do this and get in the car later. You have no you know, option."
0: What what my uh, both my sons told me when they were teenagers, eleven, starting at eleven, by the way, they 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 became teenagers at about eleven years old, the same as yours. Um, but what they both told me is. Uh, whenever I uh, wanted them to do something that they didn't want to do, or whenever they wanted to do something that I didn't want to do, they said, they used the same expression. They said, um, Dad, appreciate me while you have me.
1: Wow, interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah it really it was always. It was- <laughs> Whatever they wanted or didn't want to do, uh, that was the game changer, right? There.
1: Now, if I say that to Oliver, it's probably not as effective. No,
0: no, no. it has He'll to he be, be from like, Oliver.
1: "Well, do I have to I'm have gonna, you for I'm much longer?"
0: I'm not going to tell Oliver. But no, don't tell him that. Me while you have me, but they were absolutely right. You know, I was Aww. I was labor secretary during some of those years, and I ended my. You know, I came home because I wasn't seeing much of them. Yeah. And now they're, you know, now they're on the cusp of, you know, one is 44 and the other is on the cusp of being 40. I mean, yeah. And I don't you, see them. You know
1: what I recommend? Take them to a choir with a big, with a big <laughs> organ. <laughs> You're going to love you on I, that okay. note.
0: Okay. Heather, you have a great week. Everybody out there, you have a, a very safe week uh, and a restful week. And Heather and I will talk to you next Saturday for next week's Perfect lunch.
1: Thanks, everyone.